0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Open your Bibles to Philippians 2, verse 1. Philippians 2, verse 1. We're in our series, Better Together. We're in week two of Better Together. This series is all about unifying the body of Christ, coming together, saying, you know what? We can do more than just I alone. And in Romans 15, five through seven in the ESV, it's our series verse, and it says this. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live with such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, everyone say together. Everyone say together. Together. I love it you may with one voice glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, so this unifying of voice, this unifying of mission, unifying of mind and heart and vision leads us to the true glorification of the Father. And we talked about it last week as well, Wayne spoke on it beautifully, that when we show love to each other in the body, it is the revealer that we are Jesus' disciples these selfless acts of love lead us to living the life that God has laid out for us. So come on church, we are better together, amen? We're better together. So let's jump into Philippians two as we continue this series. It says this, therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others.'" Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's speaking to us, that even now it's revealing in us how we can continue to be more like you. Change us, equip us, empower us to be all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. As we're in the Better Together series, I wanna start the message by asking, would you turn to the person next to you and simply tell them something in your life that you value. Something you value, just off the dome, anything that comes to mind, something that you value. Come on, don't leave anybody out. I see people at the end of your row. I see people at the end of your row not getting talked to. Talk to them. Something you value. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that with one prompt, the entire room can begin to start a murmur on things that they value in their lives? Why, because everybody in this room values something. Everybody in this room values someone. They value other things above other things. And dependent on the different things in your life, dependent on your preferences or maybe your desires, We make calls on what we value. Maybe based on your mindset or your mission or your goals of your life, we all have different values. And it's a beautiful part of our lives. And with that, I wanna talk today about what Jesus valued and what God values and shape for us what it looks like for us to value the valuable. That's the title of my message today, Value the Valuable. If we jump back into our scripture, I wanna give some context around it. Verse one starts and it says, therefore. Everyone say, therefore. Anytime you see a therefore at the beginning of a scripture, you have to understand that you need to look at the before the therefore to understand what comes after the therefore because there's context before the therefore that will lean into what it looks like after the therefore. Are you with me today, right? So it's important to look at the context of what Paul is writing to the Philippian church. So if we look back at Philippians one, Paul who is in prison is writing this letter to the Philippian church for their edification, for their growth as a body. You know, what's an interesting thought is the fact that if Paul wouldn't have been in prison, he probably wouldn't have written this book to the Philippian church. He might have just hustled and tried to make his way over there. You, you hear him talk all through the New Testament how he wishes he could be at different places. I mean, this guy was a high-octane kind of leader. This guy was moving all the time, doing all the time, going all the time. So if he wouldn't have been in prison, he probably wouldn't have written Philippians. And it got me thinking, this is just a sidetrack thought, it got me thinking, how many of us are wishing away our prison seasons when God is wishing to use that time for the glorification of generation upon generation of believers that a couple of people can stand in a ballroom steaming their faces off and hear the word of God that was written from a prison season. Come on, I think a bunch of believers need to lean in to the prison season because I believe God wants to use those times for his glorification. Are you with me today. But Paul's writing this in prison and he begins to focus in on the individual in chapter one. He starts up this letter by talking about living thankful lives. Talks about what it looks like to live a life that is offering thanksgiving to God. And then he goes into how we proclaim the gospel to see the lost be found. He gives defined parameters of what it looks like to be a gospel spreader. And then he talks about our individual living like Christ. He talks about it in in chapter one, verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Come on, we say it here all the time at Grace City, Tampa, that you can't lead others unless you lead yourself first. Every person in here is a leader, right? And, And it's dependent on if you're able to lead yourself first, that means that you can lead other people. That's why the therefore is so important because we can't even read after the therefore if you're not first leading yourself. If you're not first leading a thankful life unto God, if you're not first being a person who knows how to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and if you're not first living a life that is sacrificial unto Christ, then we can go to the therefore. Are you with me today? So then Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement for being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So basically a summary, he's just simply saying that if you've been benefited by God's great mercy, his compassion, his love for your life, and if you've seen the fruit of being unified in the body of Christ, then, verse two, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one Mind. So he's saying dive into togetherness, this better together idea. Dive into the togetherness of the gospel. Dive into the oneness of being a follower of Jesus. Yet beautiful in our differences, we are united with our mindsets. The same love for each other, being in one accord in spirit and in one accord in mind. So it's this idea of the better together, right? This idea of strength in our unity, this idea of the body of Christ operating as one body, not multiple bodies, operating as one united body. And when we operate like this, it leads us to live like Paul told the Philippian church to live, which is derived straight from the example of Jesus Christ. He says in verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. Oh man, oh man, how I've made excuses when it comes to this. In a statement like this, I can make excuses. Like, God, I, but I haven't even had my coffee yet today. Ah, oh, but I'm just kind of having like a, an off day. And so maybe tomorrow I'll get to it. Right, we can make excuses when when stuff like this is said. Maybe I gotta I gotta finish my breakfast first, or maybe oh man, it's been a really hectic season in my life, and so I'm just kind of rebuilding myself right now. And then like when the season's over, then maybe I can do that. And those are just more practical things. But even on a deeper scale, we all have aspirations and goals. We all have the desire to accomplish stuff in our own lives, which is a beautiful desire, but oftentimes we can value ourselves over others. We can think, oh, I'm just humbly taking care of myself over valuing others. Church, hear me today. Culture is screaming at all of us to make yourself something to be accomplished, to grind, and to make something of yourself, to brag about your life online, and maybe how much money you have, it shows your accomplishments, what kind of house you have, or the car that you drive shows how successful you are. We can get so consumed with selfish ambition and vain conceit, I'm guilty of it, just as much as anybody. But Paul makes a statement that's so countercultural. That's so against the grain of our humanity, this statement makes no logical sense. He tells the Philippian church to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. You know what nothing means? Not one thing. Not one thing. Come on, say it with me. Not one thing. Say it again with me. Not one thing. Paul tells the Philippian church don't do a single thing in your life out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Don't build a business in your life out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, right? Don't start a relationship out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit, right? Don't do the things of this life. Don't try to achieve. Don't try to make things happen. Make yourself something out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit. But he says, rather. Rather, come on. Rather is just this idea of saying, the preferential thing. The preferential thing for your life is, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. Come on, this is valuing the valuable. Are you with me today, church? Value the valuable. Why do I say value the valuable? What does valuable even mean for us? This idea of value comes up a lot as I'm one of those people that loves to shop and sell on Facebook, Marketplace, Craigslist, Offer up. I'm one of those people, you might be surfing Instagram, I'm surfing OfferUp, you know what I mean? I'm looking for a steal every single day. Anytime I can find a steal, I'm gonna find a steal on there. And um, I really love it because I'll jump on and I'll kind of see all these things and I love the idea of selling things on there, but then I also love to buy things and then resell them off of that, right? Because I see people selling it for way too low. I'm like, I can make some money off of that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so if you need some help, I got you. But, um, but I love this idea. And what happens is people will post their item on this website, and then down below, when it goes to the next screen, there's a little money symbol, and it says, uh, how much do you wanna sell it for? And so you write this number in there, right? People are valuing their item for how much they think that thing will sell for. I love jumping on these websites, and then I'll see somebody post something for way too low, and I just like pull a pastor card, and I just send them a nice message and say, hey, just wanna let you know you could get way more for that, right? I did this a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and then I also love like when people way overprice it and I'm just like, hey, just wanna let you know I could get it for cheaper on Amazon right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're trying too hard, right? But it's interesting because people will also put this in their description. They'll go OBO, which means or best offer, meaning they don't even know the value of the thing that they have, right? They don't even know how to evaluate it. So they're just gonna put it out there in thin air. And there's this practice that I love to do when I buy things on there. I love to think about this. I take my money in one hand, and I take that thing in one hand, and I say, do I value that thing more than I value this money, right? That's a judgment call to say, is that thing worth this much, right? If we think about it logically, that's the exchange that's happening, right? Is that lazy boy recliner worth this much cash? No, we don't have a lazy boy recliner, you know what I'm saying? But even when I buy like maybe a a guitar or something, I'll look at this guitar, and I'll say, you know what, is this money worth is the guitar worth more than this money to me? And when I think it is, then I will come together with the seller and we will exchange our goods because he values the money more than he values the guitar. I value the guitar more than he values the money. Does that make sense? More than I value the money. And so there's this exchange that takes place in value that we have to understand. There's an exchange of value. And we, I want you to know that we have this innate design to value what is valuable. It's what I believe is a God-given design. It's just sometimes misappropriated in our lives, but it's in us. And the reason that it's in us is because we all live in the, in the aftermath of the greatest exchange that has ever taken place. Church, God saw our humanity in a broken state and he held up his son, and he looked at his creation, and he had to make the decision. He said, are, are we a valuable exchange for his son? Do I want my creation as much or more than my very son? I can't even imagine having to make that decision. I can't imagine the options that he had to weigh to come to that conclusion. But what's God's conclusion? Come on, this should humble us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Come on church. God holds you with such value that he sent his one and only son in exchange for your life to humbly come and give his life for you. So what does God value? God values his son and God values his creation. God values his son and he values each and every one of us. So we as followers of Jesus need to understand that God value what God values is what we should value. What God loves is what we should love. And we are called as believers to humbly value what is valuable to God. Come on, with Jesus as our greatest example ever, what did he do when he came as the exchange? He came as a baby, helpless. He became the very dirt of the earth that God created. Why? Because he humbly came to value others above himself. So how do we do this? How do we value what's valuable to God? I got three very quick, easy points. How we value what's valuable. And it starts with your heart, it moves to your hands, and it moves to your words. It's in your heart, it's in your hands, and it's in your words. Let's start with heart. How we Value the valuable with our heart. First and foremost, consider others. Consider others. That word consider means thoughtful, attentive, thinking carefully about others. It's it's this idea of being considerate about others. It's really a crucial part of valuing them. In Philippians 2, verse four, as we read, not looking to your own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. It's this idea about being considerate It's about changing your mindset about others. For the past two weeks, a little more than that, my family has had this crazy sickness go through our house. It started with our son, Emerson. We picked up my mom at the airport and when she got into the car, he vomited through the whole car. It was just absolutely horrendous. Like, welcome to Florida, you know what I mean? Like, that was kind of the moment. But then we got home and it was like four days that Emerson was super sick on the couch. And in that time, it was beautiful to see our other kids who would come around Emerson, and anytime he needed a blanket, anytime he needed you know, to watch a movie, anything like that, our kids would just gather around and just help, and just be thoughtful about Emerson. And then right after Emerson, you know what happens in a family of six? Then all of a sudden, Cove got sick. And Cove was sick for multiple days, throwing up and sitting on our couch. And it was beautiful again to watch our kids going around and helping each other and assisting each other. And when Cove was sleeping, everyone was considerate of Cove and they would be quiet so that he could sleep and get better. And then it continued on through our household. It went to Evelyn. And then it got to Cece, who had it one of the worst. She was throwing up for almost five days, which was wild. And all the while, all of our kids kept just gathering around the other kids and loving on them, right? And then all of a sudden, Brianna got it. I got it. And just when we thought we were out, it was this last Tuesday. We thought we were all clear. Evelyn got it again. I don't know how the heck that happened, but it was this beautiful moment. I remember we're sitting on our, our bed as Evelyn's throwing up into this bowl. And uh, that's not the beautiful moment. <laughs> and Cecilia came up behind Evelyn. She's three years old. And she just began to rub her back. And I just saw like this beauty to that of this idea that these kids just Think, oh man, I just need to consider others in this moment. I need to think about others. Where are they at? I need to think about where they are and how I can be helpful for them. I was so proud of my kids. They were always so kind and so helpful and considerate of each other. Now I think 1 Corinthians 10, 24 reveals this. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Come on, a great rule of thumb to be considerate of others is to always think the best of them unless proven wrong right? We should always be thinking the best of other people, right? They might be going through a hard time. They might have had something go wrong in their life. We being considerate as believers is an important part of valuing what God has valued. How many times do we forget this with others? Someone's maybe going through a hard day and acts one way towards us. And because of that, we react with bitterness when in reality, the issue probably isn't the issue. And if we were considerate enough, we would see that the issue wasn't the issue, right? Come on, church, we have to change our thinking, not to constantly think about ourselves and what would please us, but rather how can we be considerate of others and what, what they are going through? How can we meet each other with kind and thoughtfulness? And Jesus gives the most beautiful example of this as he's strapped to the cross, dying on the cross. What does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. There's a thoughtfulness in the sacrifice. There's this idea of him going, you know what? This isn't even about me, God. They probably don't know all the things that are going on behind the scenes. And so just forgive them. Don't, you know, don't show hatred towards them. Love them right where they are. He gives this example. Jesus didn't jump to conclusions or judgment or hatred. He tells the Father that they probably just don't know what they're doing. Come on, we gotta value the valuable. We gotta consider others with our hearts. Next one is serve others. Serve others with our hands. It's this idea of performing duties for each other. If you wanna show value to others, give your time and your energy. Your time is the most important resource that you have on this planet. Why? because tomorrow is not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. So you giving of your time truly says that you value others above yourself. You're not using what could be your very last day on earth for yourself. You're saying, I'm gonna value others above myself. This is why serving in church is such an important It's an opportunity weekly to deny yourself and say, I value the kingdom of God over my sleep. We have people that showed up this morning at 5.15 to set up all of this band equipment. They had to move it all the way up from the bottom floor to the third floor. And they're not even leaving until like 2 p.m. today. Why? Because they have said, I value seeing people led into life transforming relationships more than I value a slow Sunday morning with a breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me? me, church. This attitude of servitude on a Sunday morning is such an important part of your routine because when you learn to serve on a Sunday, it teaches you to say every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm going to be a servant to other people. I'm in the routine of serving. I'm getting in the routine of saying I'm denying myself and putting others First, I'm giving up my time and of my energy. And you might say, well, you don't know. I can't do all the things. I can't set up. I can't get here at 515. That's okay. You can still come and love people. You can still come and love on kids. You can still come maybe and help tear down after services. You can still come and pass buckets. You can still come and just be someone who says, you know what, I'm gonna pray for five people in this room today. That's how you can serve others. Come on, church, with our hands, we have to value others with our time. Jesus, who had very limited time left on the earth. He knew his time was coming. He came into the room with the disciples. He knelt down and he washed their feet. Washed their feet. Time was fleeting. He had barely any time left. His impact was almost over. Think about it, he could have been out on the street corners doing crazy miracles that would be a spectacle for all to see. But what did he do? With his last moments, the most precious resource he had left on earth, he knelt down to serve others. He served them over himself. He valued them over anything else in that moment. Over the miracle that could have been outside, he valued serving in that moment. And then in John 13, 14 through 15, it says this. Jesus says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, hear this, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you, right? This idea of valuing others. He gives this command to follow in his footsteps and lead like he has led, this servant-hearted leadership. And if you read through the rest of John, Right after he washes his feet, he then tells the disciples that a time of betrayal is coming. And soon after he gives final instructions, he's taken to this time of betrayal. So we see the timeline and the priority that Jesus puts on servanthood. This priority is massive. It's so strategic because he wants the disciples to know How do you show the love of Jesus? How do you attain the oneness in the body of Christ? It comes not to come and serve and and be served, but to serve. Amen, church. Church, we can never be too big in our own eyes to help other people. We can never be too big in our own eyes to help people move in the body of Christ, too big to help them with projects at their house, too big to help them when they're sick, to show love and kindness, to show up for them when they need it the most, to give our time generously to those around us, amen? Amen. I'll invite the band up and I wanna share the last one. So how we value the valuable is with our heart and then it's with our hands and the last one is with our words. Come on, words is encourage others. That idea of encouragement is give support and confidence to people. Come on, I love to say it like this to our leaders. When we encourage, it builds courage into people. When you encourage, it builds courage into people. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, are you with me? according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So church, your words hold power. Your words hold authority. Your words mean so much to people. And when you encourage others first, it's, it's this beautiful heart check, first of all, to say that I value that person over my need to be affirmed. I'm gonna encourage them and say, this isn't about me. This is about affirming something in their life rather than me needing to be affirmed. So you're gonna affirm the, the gift of God and secondly it gives a life to the hearer and builds them up according to their needs are you with me so when you encourage it should be outrageous how much you affirm the call of God in others we should be outrageous about how much we affirm the gifts and talents in others we should go above and beyond to confirm the character that we see in people And when we see service to God, we should affirm it. When we see sacrifice, we should encourage it. When we see love shown, we should show love with our words because we wanna build each other up and benefit each other, amen? Preaching every week is a very vulnerable thing. If you've ever had to put together a sermon and preach it week in and week out, it is one of the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. Every Tuesday morning, I wake up and I have to write 3,000 words that hopefully can help move our church one step forward towards all that God has called us to do, unified. I have to attempt to try to bring in enough to where people feel like, oh yeah, like I got something and I'm ready to move forward after that, but then also a challenging enough word to help convict people that they can continue to move more towards Christ. It's one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. It's interesting too, because I actually really don't enjoy preaching. It's more of a calling and an assignment, right? That just kind of goes to show, like, we're not on this earth to do just the things that we love. Like, I'd much rather we should switch places. You know what I mean? All right, come on. No, but I would, you know what I mean? Like, so it's interesting. And oftentimes when you preach a message, you hope that it helped someone. You're like, ah, I didn't really hear people responding. I didn't really hear... Uh, people like giving amens in those, like you'll hear me a lot. When I don't hear a response, I'll be like, amen? You hear me, church? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying that a lot today, you know what I'm saying? No judgment, it's all right. But I'll leave, I'll leave the stage. And, uh, and then most of the time, you run into a couple of people that are like, hey, great, that was awesome, cool, yep. And then it's kind of like you go home and then you do it all over again. And you do it all over again for two years. My wife, who is an absolute legend, does this thing that none of you know about. None of you would have a clue that this happens. Every time that I get off stage, she leans over to me and encourages me for the message that I just spoke. She could have hated the message, but yet she chooses to speak life into me in those moments. And it benefits me, it benefits my mind to know that at least one person was impacted. Even sometimes I'll get off and I'll be like, man, I just missed it. Like that was the worst message I've ever preached in my life. And she goes, yeah, but remember if even one person, if even one person needed to hear that, it was so worth it. So she says these things and it encourages me and and it builds me up. There's something powerful to the fact that when you encourage people, it builds courage into them to continue doing what they're called to do. And I said it first service, but I want to say it again, Brianna. You are a blessing to me and to this house. You are a blessing. We wouldn't even be here in Tampa if you wouldn't have heard the voice of God and had the nearness to his voice and felt the peace of God and told me to seek after that peace too. None of us in this room would be gathered here today if you wouldn't have heard that from God first. I honor you for that. You are a blessing. You are a rock. You are a faithful person in every single way, a person of integrity, a person of character. You are an amazing wife and a phenomenal mother. You're a leader to many. There's so many people in here that have been impacted because of your consistency, your encouragement, your love for them. And I believe that many names will be written in heaven because of your intentional leadership. Things that no one has seen, yet many names will be rewarded unto you because of how you've led and how you've loved. I just honor you today. I honor you today. Love you so much. She thankful for our senior, our lead pastor, Brianna. <clears throat> Church, we want to value what's valuable. So we do that with our heart, with our hands, with our words, with our heart, with our hands, with our words. We do that by considering others, by serving others, and encouraging others. Amen. Ma, stand to your feet? I want to conclude this message by reading the last bit of Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. Because Paul brings this conclusion to this idea. He says this massive statement, value others above yourself. Humbly value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but looking to the interests of others. And there's so much more that he wants to say. Let me read this whole section and come back and preach it. Verse 5: In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, thank God for that rather right there. He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross, which is suffering for us. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Come on, do we see it today? Verse five, verse five, this is it right here. Catch this today in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset at Christ. Have the same mindset at Christ. You wanna know what it looks like to value the valuable? What did Jesus do? He was obedient to death, even death on a cross. He said, you know what? I'm gonna come and to serve, not to be served. I'm gonna lay down my life for every single other person. And this is the call for every single one of us. And you wanna know what happens? You wanna know what happens? When I choose to say, I'm not looking at my interests anymore. I'm going to look to others' interests. So I'm going to look to Ian's interests. And instead of me trying to do stuff out of selfish ambition, vain conceit, no, no, no. I want to meet Ian's needs. And then Ian says, you know what? I'm going to meet AJ's needs. And you know what AJ does instead of going, okay, now I'm just here to meet my needs. He's going to go, oh, I'm going to meet Nancy's needs. And then AJ's meeting Nancy's needs and Nancy comes up and meets Sarah's needs but then you know what happens is this beautiful thing that begins to take place in the body of Christ because then Sarah comes and meets my needs and then I meet Brianna's needs and Brianna meets Sean's needs and then Athena's needs and then Olivia's needs, right? Are you with me today, church, right? This is the power of what it looks like to serve one another. You don't worry about your selfish ambition. You don't worry about your your vain conceit, right? It's about serving others and the God who can provide everything, the God who breathed the stars into existence, who created everything, will fulfill all of your needs according to his glorious riches. Come on, this isn't achieving for ourselves. This is a giving for others. Come on, this isn't a conceit for ourselves. This is a loving of others. This is a valuing what is valuable. And I ask you today, church, are you valuing the valuable? Are you valuing what God says is valuable? With your heart, with your hands, with your words. With your heart, with your hands, with your words. Consider others with your heart. Serve others with your hands. Encourage others with your words. This is the call for every believer today. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Really quickly, before we go any further, if there's anybody in here that you heard me talking today and you're going know, you know what? I've never acknowledged that I believe in Jesus. I hear you talking and I agree with what you're saying. And today I want to enter into what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe even you said, you know what? I've spent the last season running away from the call of God on my life. And today I want to reaffirm that I believe in Jesus and I want to live for him the rest of my life. So this is simply just a moment to recognize that you believe in what we're saying. You believe in what we're singing. I'm gonna count to three. And at the count of three, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking, eyes are closed. This is a time just for you to say, you know what, today I wanna set myself apart and say, I believe in Jesus. One, know that God loves you so much. He sent his one and only son so that you could know life and so you can know life eternal. Come on, he came to serve and to love you he loves you so much too the bible says today is the day of salvation you don't need to wait until you have all the answers if you simply believe in your heart and confess with your mouth you will be saved so that's today three if that's you would you raise your hand if you want to give your life to jesus come on i see your hand i see your hand i see your hand back there hallelujah anybody else anybody else praise the lord praise the lord come on can we begin to celebrate all the people that just raised their hand praise the lord Come on. We're so excited for you. What a great decision you just made. What a great decision you've just made. In just a couple moments after we sing, we're going to pray a prayer together. I'd invite you to pray this from your heart and also go to our Connect booth in the lobby so you can get connected with the next steps. We're so proud of you for raising your hand. Welcome to the family. You belong here in the family of God. So, We're about to sing a song. It's just a bridge of a song. We're going to sing it a couple times. I know it's hot. I encourage you, this is your moment to engage, why? Because we're gonna remind ourselves of the cross that Jesus bore, of the stripes that he bore, and remind ourselves of what it looks like to value the valuable. Would everybody just raise their hands all across this room as an act of surrender? Lord, you see every hand raised, and right now, Lord, I pray, you'll help us to value what you value. Lord, would you help us to put priority to what you prioritize? God, help us to be people that activate our hearts to consider others. Help us to be people that activate our hands to, to serve others. And Lord, help us to be people that activate our words to encourage others that we would be all that you've called us to be, Lord. I pray that we would serve and value what you have valued. Help us to love like you've loved in the same mindset. Come on, let's declare this song out. Thank you for listening to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.